Hello, I'm Eric Holdeman, and this is Disaster Zone, a podcast about emergencies and disasters. Disaster Zone will bring you interviews and commentaries about all aspects of disasters, from what causes them to how people and organizations are dealing with their impact. Do you need a keynote speaker for your emergency management conference? Consider contacting Eric Holdeman and let him share his disaster zone experiences with your audience. You can contact him by calling 253-376-6683 and explore the possibilities. Welcome to the Disaster Zone podcast. Today's edition with myself as my own guest is going to be a commentary. And the title of this is Defund Emergency Management. And that sounds like fun. I know when I heard the, the name defund the police, I thought, boy, that was a stupid thing. Maybe reform the police. But, you know, defund the police became a thing. And I'm going to talk about defunding emergency management today. If you don't like the title of this column or the idea of taking money away from emergency managers and our emergency management programs, let me explain. You know, I've written previously about how we as a profession have become addicted to federal grant programs that exist for the purposes of advancing disaster preparedness activities like public education, training, and disaster exercises. Then there is the accelerating list of mitigation grants that fund pre-disaster, post-disaster projects to lessen the impact of disasters. And let's not forget grants specifically targeting urban areas, the maritime industry, public health, and most recently, entirely new series of cybersecurity grants. I'll just use the grant acronyms, violating my no grant, no acronym rule here, EMPG, SHSP, UASI, that's UASI, RCPG, MSGP, BRIC, Free Disaster Mitigation, to provide a short hand list of federal grant funding streams, and I'm sure there's more. I fully agree that federal funding should be available for catastrophic disaster response and recovery. But should federal grant programs fund state and local emergency preparedness? What got me thinking about the topic of defunding emergency management was all the campaign ads we were deluged with leading up to the midterm elections. Currently elected congressional members vied competitively with their electoral opponents for who had done the most or who would do the most for state and local law enforcement agencies by providing federal funding for things like body cameras or bulletproof vests. Which brings me to the topic of local and state government values and priorities. It is pretty much a given that state and local governments will list public safety at the top of their priority list. Do their actions and their priorities line up? I think not. If they did, you would not have all the federal dollars flowing to first responder agencies for specialized equipment to detect or respond to events of all types. If a fire boat or a patrol boat is needed for a maritime setting, who should be funding that need? The federal government or is it state and local? You would also 
not have the need for federal grant programs going to emergency management to fund the very basics for what makes up a functional emergency management program. It is not unusual for a larger emergency management program to have a significant number of their staff positions being federally funded. If you did not have the federal funds flowing into the state and local emergency management programs, they could end up being hollow shells of the programs that exist today. So whose responsibility is it to have good schools, functional utilities, passable roads, safe streets, and robust emergency medical services, fire departments, and yes, disaster-ready communities? Simple answer, state and local governments. Today, these governments shirk those duties knowing that their interaction to fund public safety will be backstopped by Uncle Sugar via the plethora of grants that are available to provide a more robust emergency and disaster-ready communities. Our congressional representatives are more than happy to respond to state and local requests so that they can show they're being responsive to the needs of their constituents, our professional organizations, just like the International Association of Emergency Managers that I'm a member of, and our allied first responder associations, which all have lobbyists who actively court sustained support for existing grant programs and the need for additional grant programs. I think we've fallen into the Hunger Games trap of this is how the system works. So as we, receivers of grant funding, compete with other first responder disciplines for the federal funding that becomes available. It is not an all-for-one and one-for-all approach for to grant funding, since it is a zero-sum game. If one discipline gets more funding, it means that there is likely less funding available for others. Yes, 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 I am the pot calling the kettle back black. I've chased grants with the best of them. I've prioritized which one to compete for and fought for more funding for emergency management while very much appreciating the federal funding that was provided. It allowed for the hiring of additional staff and new projects being completed that moved the disaster readiness ball down the court. I have played the game. It is just that the balance of funding and where it comes from for emergency management is totally out of whack. It is the state and local governments that should shoulder the majority of funding for their jurisdiction. I know some would argue that they do already. The proper role for the federal government is to backstop states for disaster response and recovery when there are truly major disasters that go way beyond the capability of a single state or region to respond. These are not the run-of-the-mill floods, fires, windstorms, or as I record this, snowstorms, but large-scale disasters like we saw in 2022 with Hurricane Ian and its impacts to the west coast of Florida. That said, I understand the system and the system will remain as is and this commentary will do little to change that and we will remain in the funding rut we are in. I don't see it changing in any way for the future. And the imbalance and shifting of funding to go even further to that of federal largesse as we continue to have mega disasters fueled by global warming. So for now, it is what it is on the grant funding 
scheme of things. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And you'll get another podcast from Disaster Zone in 2023. Take care. Bye-bye. Tune in again soon for more information on all aspects of disasters. You can also check out the Disaster Zone blog at www.disaster-zone.com.